that we might be gathered around your table and that we might all be granted to eat, partake of the bread of life and the bread that has come down from heaven and that we might be given to drink 
from the water of life, that every one of us might partake of that water of which your son Jesus freely gave and came on this earth to bring that whosoever drinks of it would not thirst forever, but it would become in their bellies a fountain of water springing forth unto everlasting life. Father, we ask that we might all be visited by the power of your spirit that it might touch every one of our hearts that it might touch the hearts of the little children and the young that that they might be encouraged to follow that pathway which your son Jesus has trod in which he became for us that leads to everlasting life way, life, that pathway which is Christ. That we, those of us who are in middle age, and that we would also receive the strength to believe that the things of this life might become dimmed in our eyes by the glory of those things which await us and which not only await us but which we might partake of here in time already and Father the older ones and those that are toward the end of their journey Father strengthen their hearts strengthen their hearts and their faith and give them that peace and assurance that he who has begun the good work in them will complete it until the day of Christ, that he is faithful who has promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you, saith the Lord. Father, we need you. We need your spirit. We need the power of your word. We need our hearts to be strengthened. Father, we need an awakening in our midst that the flames might be kindled to burn as they have burned in days gone by. Not a fire that is kindled by man, which is a delicate fire, but a fire, Father, which you might send down from heaven that it might burn away from our hearts the wood, hay, and stubble so that our only that gold and silver and precious stone would remain in the building which we each build within our own lives and hearts. Father, be merciful to us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
thought I'd read this morning from the seventh chapter of Hebrews, the first. Seven verses in Jesus' name. These are, this book of Hebrews is a very difficult book to read uh, the way it's written, and especially for those that are young. But it's a very, very important, very important book, and, and a very important, it's very important that we understand. what God was wanted to say to to his people through Apostle Paul when the to convince them to forsake that worship that they practiced the Old Testament and the old form of worship and convince them that there is a better way, there is a more sure way after Jesus had risen from the dead and won the victory over death and hell and sin. He wanted to turn their hearts so that they might have their faith anchored in a rock and not upon sand. The words are as follows in Jesus' name. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of of the spoils. And verily, they that are of the sons of Levi, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham, But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. Amen. This Melchizedek only appeared one time in one place and on this earth that is recorded and that was the one time that he met Abraham his kings had come down from the mountains and they had taken Lot and all his people captive and Lot was Abraham's brother and when Abraham heard that he was captured and he was in bondage to these kings Then he gathered to himself those that were born in his own household and he went out to liberate his brother. Lot had a... Lot had a a rough life. Uh, He was one who tried to 
with his reasoning and intellect figure out how to make a good life for himself but and Abraham entrusted his life and all his direction to the blessings of God and through the example of their lives we can see how much more we should be we should learn to entrust our life and our blessings that we would seek into the hands of God when their herdsmen were fighting with each other because they both wanted the best pastures Lot was looking at all of this nice land and where his where that they were fighting over and so he and Abraham got together and they decided well there's no benefit there's no reason for our herdsmen to be fighting with each other so Abraham says Lot you take what you want take what you want and I'll take the leftovers so Lot chose all the beautiful fertile valleys and plush meadows and grasslands of Sodom and Gomorrah and he knew that wow now we are going to prosper never knowing that that prosperity would be their undoing and would lead to nothing but perverseness and corruption so that one day his city would have to be destroyed but anyway their whole lives followed different paths Lot followed after a life like most of us would follow after and in the same way that most of us would seek after it God led Abraham and Abraham trusted in God and it looked like Abraham was the loser I mean he didn't even receive a child though it was promised to him it appeared so often that Abraham was getting the worst deal but that wasn't true God was watching over him every moment every step of the way and when these kings came down they took Lot captive then Abraham went and he he went and fought with those born in his own household he took an army and they weren't trained warriors but they had God on their side and he went and he conquered those kings and took spoils from those cities and he released his brother from their captivity and he was on his way home and on his way home he met a man he met a man along the way and it doesn't elaborate doesn't say where he came from how he got there but he was there and he met him and when he met him Abraham knew who he was and he met this man and Abraham gave him 10% of everything that he had taken and he bowed down before him and he worshipped him and that man blessed Abraham and God had sent him and his name was Melchizedek and he was a king and he was a he was a king and he was a priest he didn't come with any entourage. He didn't come with chariots. He didn't come with any followers. He didn't come with any glorious signs of a kingdom. He just came. It was just him. But God opened Abraham's heart 
So that Abraham, through the Spirit, knew who this was. And he was called the King of Salem. He was called the King of Peace. And Paul is trying to tell these Hebrews, these Jews, how important this man was and who he was and why he came. And he tried to point out, he was trying to point out to them that it's evident through what Abraham did. Abraham was a father, he was the patriarch, the father of all the children of Israel and all of these Jews that he was talking to. They all knew Abraham and they revered him and all the things that God had done. Every one of them could trace their lineage back to Abraham. They are all from that same family. And so this is a way that Paul found that wanted to lead their hearts away from Abraham and lead them to Christ. Lead them away from Moses and lead their hearts to Christ. Lead their hearts away from the outward sacrifices and worship and ordinances and lead their hearts to Christ. And the important part to me, the important thing in the, and the thing I'd like to focus on, I mean, and these things could become very, very long, drawn out. There's so many, so many things that could be spoken of about this. But the main thing that I wanted to speak of this morning is the kingdom that this Melchizedek, this one who Abraham gave tithes to. And it says here that, that Levi... Levi was the priesthood. Levi, the tribe of Levi was the one that, from where all the priests came and they worked in the temple, they didn't own any land. They lived off what the other people did. The other people, other tribes gave Levi 10% of everything they had, gave the tribe of Levi, and they lived off those things. And Levi, you couldn't be a priest in the temple. It was a blessed thing. You were a special person if you were born into the tribe of Levi because God had ordained that that's where the priesthood was. But Paul is telling him that Levi gave 10% to Melchizedek. He gave 10% because he was in the loins of his father Abraham when Abraham gave it. So he is saying that means that Levi also gave 10%. And he says without contradiction as we read that when Melchizedek blessed him he says the lesser is blessed of the greater. When somebody blesses that somebody has to be higher in power than you in order for you to be blessed by that person. That blessing means something to us if the one that blesses us is in a higher place than we are. If in the days of kingdoms, if you went before the king and the king looked down on you and raised his scepter over you and pronounced a blessing, you were a fortunate person because that means that you had favor with those who are in power and authority. And so Levi, who represented all of the Old Testament worship, the keeping of laws and ordinances, he paid tithes. 
and he was blessed by the king of Salem, the king of peace. If there is one promise that Christ gave to us, he did not promise any of us, and it's clear in scripture, that he did not promise that we would have a life that is free of trouble. In fact, his promise, he says that, in the world ye shall have tribulation, but fear not, I have overcome the world. He says, if they have despised me, they will despise you also. These were just facts that he was stating. This is what our life would be. This is what he was able to say to those that came after him. That as long as you are a follower of me, you will have tribulation, you will be despised. He says, we don't war against flesh and blood, but we war against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness, and high places. Every one of us wars against those things. And that, that warfare takes place within our heart, around us, through those people that are around us. Every one of us has that warfare. And even though he was able to tell us that we shall have tribulation, that we war against principalities and powers, that we will despise, there was something else that he was able to be promise in the midst of that, and that is that you would have peace. That you could have peace. How can a person have a peace in the midst of warfare? How can a person have peace in the midst of turmoil? turmoil in his own heart within and without how can a person have peace when the when he is despised how can he have peace when you are told and assured that you will have a I, I hesitate to use the word promise that was not a promise but a, that you will have tribulation in the world That word peace probably is one of the most common words in the Bible. It's probably the most often. And that's the kingdom that Melchizedek represented. It was the kingdom of peace. Before they went into the captivity, before, they, before the coming of Christ, when Jeremiah, the prophet, was told to go and talk to the people, he looked upon that people and he told them that every one of you from the least to the greatest, you've turned your hearts to covetousness. You've turned your hearts to covetousness. And that's what you follow. And he says that you don't deal, they didn't deal honestly any of them because covetousness does not let a person deal honestly and they had preachers that preached to him and he says that you have healed the hurt of my people slightly saying peace peace 
but he said there is no peace. And so they were promised that they would, they were given that word through the prophet, that they would be taken into captivity, that their children and their wives would be taken captive, that they would lose all their substance. And so it happened to them because they turned their hearts toward covetousness and they sought for thrills rather than peace. And they were promised peace and they were given no peace. How many of us have found in the midst of our lives have found that which we say continually one to another, God's peace? We're always saying that, aren't we? We're wishing that to each other every time we greet, God's peace, God's peace. Can there be peace can there be peace in, and can you find peace in hoping for a life that is free of burdens and afflictions and sorrow? Those who have a hope in Christ in this life only are of all men most miserable. We cannot have and we cannot find peace. And I don't know how many of you have sought for it, but you try to be a Christian. You want to be a Christian. You want to walk as a Christian. You want to have a Christian heart. Like Apostle Paul, the will to do good is in me. But how to perform, I find not. For when I want to do good, evil is present with me. So the good that I want to do, I don't do. And the evil which I don't want to do, and that's, then that's what I do, but yet I don't do it, but sin. Can you have peace in the midst of that kind of a life? Or was that just a temporary thing with Paul? Was that just a thing that hit him one time and for a little season it was gone? I don't think so. He was talking about what his journey was, what his day-to-day -day life was. Can you have peace in the midst of Going through life wanting to be different than you are and not being able to be different. Can you have peace in the midst of that? Can you have peace in the midst of physical sickness? Can you have peace when you see your children doing things which you know are going to hurt them, going down pathways that you know they're going to get hurt, they're going to suffer and bear scars the rest of their life, can you have peace in the midst of those things? Can you have peace when you don't have money enough to pay your bills? Can you have peace when, when you're just totally frustrated inside everything, your life just seems to fall apart, you can't keep anything straight? Can you have peace in the midst of all that life brings you 
both inwardly and outwardly? Is it possible to have peace in the midst of all those things? It is. It is possible. And how many of us have found that peace in the midst of all our trials, in the midst of all the things that befall us? How many of us have found peace in just being what we are, being ourselves? How many of us are at peace with ourselves that you can just say, I'm me and this is it. This is what I got. This is what I got to work with. And this is probably not going to change. I've tried and tried and I would like to be different. I've tried to be different. I've tried to work at it and I've asked God to help me be different but I end up seems to work for a while but here I am again I'm me can you have peace in the midst of that the devil would want us to work our way to peace and earn our way to peace he would want to convince us that peace comes through being a good Christian peace comes through changing reforming peace comes through self-discipline self-sacrifice Peace comes when you become like that guy over there or that guy up there. Peace will come to you when you finally can be like that last preacher you heard or listened to. Or The devil will promise us peace also, but it's always over the next hill. It's, it's always through the next thing we do. It's always next month and next year. But Christ came to bring peace and he came to give it freely and he came to give it now. There was no peace amongst the nation of Israel. There was no peace when Christ came on the face of this earth. There was no peace in the hearts of those that followed him. But when he rose from the dead and they sat at the table he walked in and he looked at them and he says peace be unto you receive ye the Holy Ghost and he breathed on them they had received the breath of life in the garden of Eden and become living souls and he breathed a new life into them With that promise, peace be unto you. It's important that we trust God. It's important for all of us to, to work our way through this life that we believe Him. We can't do it on our own not one of us we can't find peace by working at it we can find that peace 
by receiving that breath of life that he breathed that new breath of life that changed a man from being a just a living soul to being a quickening spirit from being just Adam to being the Lord Jesus Christ because it was his life that he breathed into him it was his breath and once he breathed his breath into him just as God breathed into Adam every breath that Adam took from that day on and that mankind has taken was the breath that God breathed and those who received the breath that Jesus breathed into them every breath that they take from that day onward has the breath of Christ the life that he gave there is a peace that is promised it does no good to talk about it it doesn't benefit us to to fall back on phrases and say God's peace God's peace God's peace it's important that every one of us understand that before all of this started before Abraham began as the father of the children of Israel before all of this started there was a kingdom there was a king and he was the king of Salem the king of peace and he yet reigns today and he reigns and he lives in the hearts of his own people he has promised peace and his promise is not void and is not vain it is not somebody who promised who did not have the power to fulfill that promise but when he promises he has the power and not only the power but the will to fulfill that promise and to give it to every single one of us he cannot offer us a life free of trouble free of hurt free of all the things that life brings but he can promise and has promised us peace in the midst of all these things and when we receive peace in the midst of all our trials a guy's hurt he can't work he can't earn his living he can't support his family and he's supposed to have peace you watch your children and they're going down a pathway you know you know that they're going to get hurt you know they're going to get hurt bad and you're supposed to have peace your daughter comes home and says mom I'm pregnant your heart drops your whole world falls apart you're devastated in the midst of that you're supposed to have peace you get a call and they tell you well if you don't make your payments you're going to lose your car you're going to lose your house your boss just says hey got no more work for you you're laid off and in the midst of that you're supposed to have peace you find your eyes looking and lusting after things that don't belong to you you find yourself in situations where you shouldn't be and and your heart condemns you and you figure I'm no good I'm worthless I'm scum and in the midst of that you're supposed to have peace 
in the midst of all those things, that peace that passeth understanding is still promised to us. In the midst of all that all that life brings to us, I cannot give it to you, and I can't get it for myself. I know that it's there, and still I get riled up, I get caught up, I'm going to solve my own problems. I'm going to take things into my own hands and I'm going to straighten them out. And once I get all these things straightened out and smoothed out, then my life will be good. But it doesn't happen. Every one of us needs to be encouraged to ask for and seek for that peace that passeth understanding. And when we greet each other with God's peace, that there'd be a little substance in what we say, that it would it would come from our heart. It's a lot more... If somebody comes up to you and says that I've prayed for you, or may God be with you, may God watch over you and bless you, you know that they're saying something from their heart, and it's a, it's a good feeling to know that others pray for us and that they have a concern for us. But when somebody comes up and says, God's peace, it's kind of like they're saying hi. And we can't do it. I mean, we're creatures of habit. I'm not saying that any of us can each time we go up sincerely from the heart wish the greeting of God's peace because it has become a custom. But but sometime, at least sometime, try to think and, and make it a prayer. Make it a blessing that God's peace would be with us. We need, every one of us needs peace in the midst of, in, in the midst of this life. And it's not something that we can't have. It's not something that God doesn't want us to have. He has promised it. That is his kingdom. That is, that is the life. That is what distinguishes a child of God from those in this world. We have all the same troubles they have. We have everything they have. We have the good things that happen to us and we have the bad things, the diseases, the troubles, the accidents. Everything that happens to everybody in the world happens to us except the one thing that they don't have peace in the midst of it. And you as God's child, you as the one that God loved enough to send his son to give his life for your soul, you who God... That who Jesus intercedes for right now on the right hand of God, pleading for you, you who God loves, has loved, and will love forever, you have a promise and a right to possess that peace that the world can never know and will never know. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we'll sing song number 580.